Hey, everybody. This is the Steg Drew Show, and I'm your host, Drew Stegmeyer. This show is new, evolving, and finding itself. We don't yet know what it will turn out to be, and that's exciting. I believe the world has a current civility deficit, and with this endeavor, I'll be exploring tough and taboo topics with compassion and civility so you can do the same with your friends, family, and coworkers. Eric Schneider currently works at the headquarters for Huron Paper, a family business. He is the third generation. They've been open since 1955. And in this episode, we get into what it's like being involved in a family business, doing so successfully while balancing your personal growth and personal development. And hear Eric's story. He's lived a very wild and full life. He's been involved in personal growth work, I would say, as long as he can remember worked as a peer counselor in high school, did Landmark Forum, and has been involved in the Mankind Project. And I think Eric is a great living example of what they call in the effective altruism movement, doing well while doing good. And he has a lot of wisdom to share. I definitely look up to Eric. And even though we haven't known each other for a very long time, I see him as a great example and mentor. And more recently, He and his family have traveled around the United States, and now they're in New Mexico, and we get into some of that adventure for him as well, and how he balances family and business life, which I think he does quite gracefully. I hope you guys enjoy it. We got merchandise. Stegdrew.com slash merch. Stegdrew.com slash merch. You can use the code PODDY, P-O-D-D-Y, as in podcast, P-O-D-D-Y, for 10% off merchandise. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies in men's and women's styles. Check out Authenticity Is My Kink. We've got Make Soil Healthy Again, Eat Organic, Stay Orgasmic, and plenty of others. As it's getting into the winter time, grab yourself a hoodie. And again, use the code P-O-D-D-Y, for 10% off at stegdrew.com slash merch. Welcome, Eric. Hey, thanks. Um, so for, for those who are watching on video, which might not be everyone, I'm actually going to burn a little sage here. And um, this is something I like to do. I've never done it on the pod, but just to create a little bit of container, deepen a sense of presence. And as far as I know, this can have non-local benefits. So you're getting smudged as well. And I just want to bless this space and this conversation with an intent to create grace, depth, wisdom, and humor. So as, as I was doing a little prep for this and thinking about how to start things off, uh, two things came to mind. This idea of don't shit where you eat. And then also don't sleep with your coworkers or your colleagues. <laughs> and so I would say, Eric, as far as I know, you're, you're sleeping with your colleagues. Is that right? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that definitely took a different turn than I was expecting. So great. Thanks for uh, uh, getting me grounded here. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. So, and for, for those who don't know, uh, that's that's my code for saying uh, you're in you're in a family business, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's pretty funny. I didn't even make that connection. 
<laughs> I, I, I didn't until like, I don't know where you're going with that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, part of the shtick of, of this whole thing is bro- uh, breaching what I call the civility deficit. And part of that is exploring taboos. Right. So on the one side, there's this conventional advice of you should never sleep with anyone you work with. Right. Or if you do that, you will fail you will get fired. You will never succeed. <laughs> right. And, and often what I love is I'll just be walking through life and I'll meet people and they're like, Oh, you see this paradigm smash. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, and you are that, uh, I'm, I'm in business with my wife, right. I'm in bed with my colleague. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't have nearly as much experience about that as you do. Right. You, you've been at it for a long time. I've been at it for six months. I mean, I just got married in July. So I'd love to maybe start off if it's cool with you to talk about what that's like being in a business with your wife and and with family. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the question. Uh, So uh, some clarification, business, my grandfather started our company uh, in 1955. So um, that would make me the third generation. I always enjoy those, some of those stats of like the success rate of a third generation. I think it's like five or 7%. So I have an internal joke of like, I'm in the upper percent. Uh, although <laughs> that's not usually the joke that I like to make, but I just did. So uh, I'm going to roll with that. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, I worked, I never worked directly with my grandfather. Um, he and my father had transitioned ownership uh, before I was uh, really of age to go into business with them. Although when I was a kid, I did often go down with my dad. Uh, sometimes my brother would come with me, uh, whether like on holidays or days off of school or summer break to uh, work uh, in the plant, in the recycling plant, uh, sorting paper and uh, specifically taking rubber bands off of these old yellow tab cards. Uh, uh, so that could kind of date me a little bit, but that's okay. Um, so, you know, I mean, I had, uh, I had the perspective of seeing what it seeing from a kid's eye what it was like for my dad to be in business with his father mm-hmm. um uh and then the hesitation and uh, and the cautiousness of me joining the business with my dad uh i joined him in it was 95 i finished college the year before uh i was looking to go into music and then i decided well i'm gonna jump in that the music thing wasn't working <laughs> it didn't oh, it what well, yeah it, it didn't, it didn't really pan out the way that I really wanted to. Um, and so I just reached out to my dad and said, Hey, what do you think? Um, so, you know, so that was 95. Uh, I had a, uh, an eight year break in there in the middle of it. Uh, okay. that break, yeah, that break was me meeting, uh, Christy, my wife and going to Hawaii, which, uh, ended up being an eight year, uh, adventure where you have kids and everything. Um, and I can really tell you, like when, when I joined the family business, um, you know, I, I remember growing up with, you know, some old friends and even to this day, they're like, well, of course, that's what you do. Why did you leave? Why do you need to go to school? Why do you need to do this? You've got this business. It was almost like, well, of course, that's, that's going to be the assumption. Um, and there, sure, there was a part of me that like, you know, there was a rebel in me of like, don't tell me what to do. Don't put me into a box. Don't, yeah, just don't put me into that box. And I would fight that. I'd be like, no way. Right. No, no. Uh, until, until the day hit, like, when I was sitting there going, okay, what, what am I going to do? And, you know, truthfully, it came from, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. Um, you know, I, I had a degree in finance. I knew I wasn't a corporate person. Um, and that never, 
I just like the idea of math and money and relationships. So, but I could never see like being in an office and that was just never my thing. Um, and this is, you know, predating my, you know, dating myself of like, uh, the internet was just coming out. So it was, right. I look, I look at now, like all the tools that are available to connect and everything. And that just wasn't there. So yeah, it was, one, it was definitely a moment of, um, oh, I don't know. I used to, I would call it like, there was a part of me like, did, am I selling out? Am I giving in? Am I taking the easier route? <laughs> like all this self doubt narrative of like, oh, that I'm not good enough, you know, really touches on like, um, I wasn't good enough like all my other friends to find a career, find a job and start going. So I went to work with my dad. And, you know, if I'm being honest, you know, I guess I am being honest. That's that's how it, my journey into the family business started. That's where it came from. Uh, I wish I I wish I could come up with a really cool idea or like I had this epiphany of like, I'm going to work with my dad and we're going to conquer the world. And uh, no, uh, the truth is, is like I I was lost and I was scared and uncertain. And yeah, I saw a lifeline and I, and I took it. Um, yeah. There's, no, a, there's yeah. a lot of perspectives there because one thing that stood out to me was I don't know any musicians who studied finance, right? I thought you, I thought you'd be like, so I was a music major <laughs> and so the finance almost was- seems like foreshadowing. Yeah, true. That, 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 that's interesting. And specifically for the music, it was more around promotion. I mean, I'm a okay. lover of music, always have been, probably always will be. Um, you know, I, I learned, I played the trombone a little bit, but I was not a musician. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my kids got that uh, trait and that those qualities, which is, so I kind of live vicariously through them in that capacity. But me, it was promoting. Uh, and it was really about like, I always love sharing new music with friends and sitting down and like, yeah. hey man, check this out. And then with, and I was involved in stuff like that in school. So that's what I was looking to get into. And yeah, uh, somebody had a different plan for me. Right, right. <laughs> well, and there are these two, I, I would say these two parts are diametrically opposed, right? The one is, hello, you have the family business, duh, go for that, right? And then maybe this other, you know, desire to carve your own path or, or prove yourself. And it sounds to me like, for some time in your life, those didn't or couldn't coalesce, right? Carving your own path meant not working for the business. And I don't know if this is fair to say, but it seems like in your more recent history, you've been carving your own path via the family business. <laughs> uh, that's, that's spot on. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, sure. I believe that, you know, some of the, that awareness and insight comes with age, you know, and time yeah. and not, not just getting older, but like time vested in within myself and really, really diving deep into why I'm doing the things that I'm doing, you know, and, right. and really, and coming kind of, kind of, kind of coming to a terms with the idea of like, oh, I, wow. The part of me that uh, didn't feel worthwhile, that didn't feel good enough is also the part of me that pushed and drove me to do some really cool and exciting things. So you know, how, and, you know, like in the, some of the men's work of like how to take that shadow piece from behind and bring it out uh, in front and like, no, that's what I'm going to lead with. I'm going to lead with, I'm going to leave with, lead with the part of me that feels less than that uh, is not as confident uh, as I think I should be. Um, yeah. And it's, 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 it's definitely been an evolution in that. It wasn't like one thing happened, just been, you know, carving away piece by piece. Um, 
and certainly not easy. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, not going to say, oh, this has been a cakewalk. No, it's been fucking hard. It's been scary. It's been uncertain. And it still is. You know, it's like just when I think right. I have mastered or understand something, it's like, like you said before, boom, you know what? We got a different course for you to take. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So I'd, I'd love to dive into this eight-year period that I'll, I'll call the, the Hawaiian hiatus, right? Or the... <laughs> the journey, but I think a more recent example of what I'll call unconventional leadership or what I see as a demonstration of your wisdom. When we were talking previously, you mentioned collaborating with one of your competitors and also that later seemed to have excellent results, right? And conventional wisdom would be something along the lines of it's us versus them. I'm going to kick their ass. (laughs) <laughs> right mm-hmm. and you shape-shifted that into oh, it's not us versus them it's us and them and now the outcome is better for me and for them <laughs> yeah um yeah certainly um yeah i'm just trying to figure out what what, what i wanted to say around that like yeah when COVID hit, I mean, there was a whole lot of other circumstances that led up to, for, for myself and my family that led up to, uh, to uh, before COVID really hit, that really um, pulled the rug out from underneath us okay. um, in a sense of like, that really helped formulate and look at what am I doing? What are we doing as a family? What am I doing as an individual? Why am I doing it? And recognizing those moments of those answers, like, well, that's how we've always done it. That's how we've always done it. Like that narrative came up in many different ways. So um, as, as we were going through that transition as our family, um, my daughter was really ill for a while and uncertain of what, what was going on when we discovered what it was, uh, which was great. Uh, and the part of it like, oh, that's great. And along with that, you need to let go of your house and all of your belongings. <laughs> so it was that, that was, I would say for me, really the catalyst into, um, you know, breaking away and breaking out of the mold and from the set ways of thinking and being that I, that I had been operating which led into the question you're asking about, because as that was happening, we let go of the house and she was getting better. Um, you know, and then COVID hit, it's just like a whole nut, like, Oh my God, as actually, as my daughter put it, she's like, for those couple of years prior to COVID, she's like, I've been sick uh, for a couple of years. Now I'm better. The world is sick. And like that, mm. like that really pierced, pierced me in a way. Like it, it, I feel sad around it. I feel happy. I feel joy. Like Every, every emotion was uh, mixed in with that. Um, and it was really from that experience and from her and watching her go through and be, you know, a fucking champion and watching my wife just day in and day out, like not take no for an answer and just keep going. You know, when all, all the conventional ways of all the things that we know where to go to, were not producing uh, the answers for us. It really like, well, then what? Well, then it's right. like, then it, right. then it was like a matter of going within, like, forget all the narrative, forget all the conversation, forget all this chatter. What matters to me right now? What, what's important to me? And that's, so coming into uh, when COVID hit and yeah, we're, we were an essential business and, um, you know, I have different friends and family telling me like, well, you're an essential business. And, you know, at that time I was kind of confused. I'm like, well, at, at whose expense and at what cost? Like, that's great. Mm. I can c- continue to operate. But also, like, I had my own personal thing. Like, 
I, my daughter just got, well, I couldn't, I didn't want to put her in jeopardy. I didn't want to put my family in jeopardy. So, um, yeah, at that time, you know, by at this point, like I had bought my father out of the business. So it was literally just me. I had okay. a, I had a great crew of me, but, uh, I had an operations manager that I just, that I just hired. That was, it was a really great asset, a friend. Um, and ultimately it's like, it was still alone. Like when it came down to it, it was like, this is, this is my ship. <laughs> I got a great crew, but ultimately it's like me. And, you know, I'd reached out to my dad a few times and some of the things that we were doing that I was dealing with were just new, totally new. It wasn't like, Hey, can we look back at the past 50 years and we could look at metrics and I could study that and kind of gauge where things were going or how we handled different situations. This fuck. No, <laughs> there was, <laughs> um, let's see pandemic is letting go of your house, sick, sick family members. Yeah, no, no, there's no, uh, handbook for that. So, um, yeah, there was despair. There was a like internal freak out. Like, what the fuck am I going to do here? Right. Like, God, I'm, and, and it was really finding some quiet space. Not, and this wasn't like going off on a mountaintop and stuff, but just like shut the door for me. Sometimes it's in the bathroom, but just like, I just need to stop and think. Okay. Um, and then that's when I realized that I, I connected with um, a competitor of mine. Uh, we'd, we had a, we were friendly competitors in the sense that I never really crossed paths with them. Uh, we were, we definitely were seeking the same business, but for, for whatever reason, just geographic and time, um, we had, we had a friendly relationship over the years. And then I, I had started talking with, uh, these guys about a year ago, about a year prior, I had this thought of like, you know, I'm kind of alone in this. I don't, I it would be nice to have somebody to lean on should I need to. And that's when I had this idea. I'm like, I'm going to reach out to these guys. Maybe there's some reciprocal business we could do together, small stuff, but just, just so we could stay like friends and um, interesting. Like, I don't know, really, I can't remember how I had that idea. It just came. And right. then that's what allowed me to then when COVID hit to have a call up and say, what are you guys doing? It's like, well, we're staying open. What are you doing? And he knew this, some of the struggles and I'm like, I don't fucking know what to do, dude. Uh, yeah. Exact words. And then I said, well, let me help you out. And then it was, so then we, we scrambled and it was going to be for those couple of weeks that they were just going to support me and help me out where uh, they do all the trucking and processing. And uh, I, and, it was a leap of faith because then I said, okay, I didn't have time to get attorneys or legal documentation protection. It was just like, here's my list of customers. <laughs> here's the spreadsheet, the name, the address, what you get from them, the contact, the like, uh, okay, well, either I'm going to, uh, I'm going to sink on this and, you know, close the shop, or I'm going to just trust, like throw my stuff out there and trust this person that they're not going to use it again. Um, super counterintuitive. <laughs> um, I was, I was scared. And it was also like, I, okay, what, what else do I got to lose? And I, at that time, it was like the more of, to me, the mindset of was, what do I have to lose here? I got my daughter's health back. That's the most important thing to me right now. My family is wonderful. My wife is awesome. We have a great relate, you know, not perfect, but by all means, but like my, what matters to me most is solid. If that means losing this business, if that means letting it go, okay. I don't know what the, I don't know what that looks like and I'm okay with it. And then it was, and then a week went by and then two weeks went by and time continued to go by. Um, and 
I started to see like, oh, this new dynamic with this uh, competitor of mine was working um, financially. And like they had a bigger space. They were, and it was, it was a, it wasn't just good for me. I think it was good for them too, because it increased his business. And, right. you know, like we had kind of joined these forces together. And I think, so that was like in March and I think like in April, May-ish, um, my wife says to me, she's like, you know, do you think this is going to work? Because every day it was like, I could not believe that going, working 70 hours a week out and grind in the plant, ha- managing all this to like, I'm at home now with my family working, you know, a fraction of what I was in the comfort of my home. Um, could I, would I envision that? No way. But so a couple months in and she goes, you think this is going to work? And I remember, I remember that question. We asked it a lot, but this time it was like, uh, I don't think it's, I'm not concerned if I'm wondering if it's going to, it is, we're fucking doing it. <laughs> you know, like, Oh yes. The tense changed. Oh, you're right. Like, uh, no, it's happening. Um, you know, and there were some, there were some pieces of, to the puzzle that were like really enticing to me. Like, oh my God, like financially it could be good for me. I remember going into it going, even if I make half of what I had been making, but I can live this way, that's cool. Um, but uh, my crew, my team, there, half of them, half of them had been there for a couple of years and kind of floating in and out. And, you know, we were a union shop and I, you know, I, I couldn't bring everybody sent everybody home for those first couple of weeks and Kate paid everybody. And then I brought half of the crew back and the other half that was kind of on the fringe just stayed uh, in furlough. And um, as we got closer to uh, got attorneys involved and working out logistics for like protection, like, okay, let's, let's really take this new model of my business and run with it and go Mm -hmm. with it and partner with these guys. Um, They were eager. He's like, Eric, what's, you know, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? And I was afraid to pull the trigger. I was afraid to say it in this day, um, but when it, it was really around my crew, like the, my, my core team members, some have been with us for 30 years, you know, my office manager, she started when I was 12, you know, like, wow, yeah. and I, my attorney was like, yeah, you're not obligated to do anything. And it was, so here again, it's like, I understand what like I'm legally obligated to do and what the, you know, the, the, the legal component is, but then. For me, it's like, well, that's cool. But like, I don't know, it touches on my heart. Like, I care about these people. <laughs> I can't just say, yes, yeah, see you later. Good luck. I mean, I could, but I chose not to. And I chose to throw that out to the competitor and saying, everything is great. My only concern is this. I got these great keep these these employees, my office manager. Um yeah, I worked out a package for her to cover her, paying for her through the, the uh, most of the 2020 and was to lead her to her retirement. That was probably the hardest component. Um, yeah, I mean, we still talk and I, I love her dearly. So that that was the hardest part. But the rest of the crew, the, the core guys, and I told uh, the competitor this, he said, well, I'll hire them all. <laughs> wow. like, I, can I make this up? No, I mean, I could, but like, that's not what I cannot believe. He's like, yeah, send them over. So they all had the opportunity to go there. They all didn't choose that, but several of them did. And not only did they get, uh, you know, they didn't have a lag time in working. They started, um, they started with me on a Thursday, started there on a Friday. Um, They were getting more hours. I think some of them got the same, if not more pay per hour. And on the receiving end uh, to those guys, 
they have talented crew that understand all of like the trucks that they'd been loading at my place. Now they're just loading the same thing, just at a different location. Right. So it was a win-win. Um, and it's really evolved. It has really evolved in a really uh, exciting, productive, um, collaborative way, which is always what I really liked. I, there was periods that I thought like, I'm glad to have my own thing, but I, ultimately, and I have, sometimes I have a hard time working with people, but I really, I like doing things with other people too. And that's what it's really showing of like me trusting others, me trusting the process <laughs> and trusting the uncertainty of like, I don't know where this is going to go. Could they turn around and, and, you know, potentially screw me? I guess so, but I'm not going to, st- I've just chose not to stay up at night worrying about that because for me, like I can get lost in my own worry, but when I stop and look at and like, well, what's actually happening? We're getting along. There's nothing that's showing me anything differently than it's going well. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to listen to that voice and start to create um, something that's not there. Yeah. This phantom, if you will. <laughs> well, and I think, a couple kind of common threads from your story is uh, not people over profits, but focusing on the people leads to profits, which I think good leaders know this. And in my work experience, the greatest bosses, you'll have a meeting and they just say, how can I help you with your career? It's all, all it is ever. How can I help you with your career? And it's usually get promoted here, thrive here, or I will help you get out. <laughs> right. And for some people that's really counterintuitive. Like, why would the boss help you leave? Like first glance, maybe that seems silly. If you look deeper, that means the boss is making sure all their team members are happy and fulfilled and anyone who is disengaged leaves as quickly as possible. And what's bad for any business is having a bunch of disengaged people hang around. And it sounds like some of the counterintuitive wisdom is taking this competitive thing and switching it to collaborative. Like, hey, what might happen if I do this? What might happen if I try this? And there's all the numbers, right? And, and the legal obligations, but there's some stuff you can't really measure potential lost knowledge, right? Or, or you'll see the trickle down effects. And I think a genius part of what you did that, that maybe the listeners might not catch at first glance is that when you give your competitor, your customers, and the people who were on your team get hired by them, there's years of knowledge and wisdom and relationship that gets beautifully translated, right? It's not just as simple as here's the order, right? It's like, well, there's people behind all of this, right? If, if you work with someone for five years on a contract and there's a new person on the contract, no one knows the family situation, the kids, the dynamics around that. And those are very real things, the intangibles. Yeah. And maybe think when I hear people talk about like, together, we have a hundred years of experience. And honestly, like every, up until like, right this moment, I would hear that. And I don't know, it, it never landed with me. I'm like, that's fucking salesman. That's marketing bullshit. <laughs> and as you're talking, I'm like adding it up in my head. I'm like, that's a hundred years of experience. So, um, you know, be careful what you say out there, but I, right. yeah, that's true. There is, there was a lot, there was more to it than just, here you go, that you can't re- re- those guys, you can't just replace it, what they knew. Right. And so I suspect, you know, I, I can't be sure, but I suspect maybe, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, 
before you'd had some of these personal shifts or transformations that you might not have engaged with this situation the same. Last year or two years ago, I went deaf. So, you know, right. <laughs> really, yeah, hundred percent. And, and the, the situation with your daughter, it sounds like there's this fork of choosing a relationship slash health over material, right? Like your house, right? You, you had to make a decision of, do I keep or not keep my house? Would you mind getting into that a little more? Sure. What, I guess, what, what specific, because I can go in many different directions on that. Sure. I I guess uh, I know some of the story, but for folks listening, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, basically uh, what happened, what went down, you know, it sounds like you were faced with a decision that many people aren't faced with Mm -hmm. and it wasn't something you chose, right? It's something that came (laughs) into your life and then you had to navigate it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Yeah. So you know, this is interesting too, because I, you know, I knew questions about my family were going to come up and, you know, things that, well, my daughter, she's 18 um, and she's in her first year of college right now. Um, she's awesome. Of course, that's my opinion, but I, <laughs> I, she, she just, she's a wonderful, one of the coolest people I know in the world. And, um, and so just, you know, as I was telling her, I was going to be on this. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep the story to what my experience is. And, you know, mm. Hey, for her own self, like that's a really fine line. Like I want to share things about the experience, including her in it. And like, well, is that really mine to share? Because that's her experience. So um, I'm going to, I will, I can answer the question. And I'm so just my, my, my want is like, if I start to get more into her, like, as you could just maybe support me and going like a, a hand up and saying, you know, bring it back to myself. Um, okay. And just by, just by giving it voice that I already know that that's going to set me in the right path, but I just mm-hmm. wanted to give recognition to that. Cause how often, I mean, I've heard so many times people talk about their kids out there and like, you just did that publicly. Like, did you ask for permission right. to talk about her, which is a great lesson that I've learned from her. So um, let me, what happened is, um, so yeah, my daughter was in high school. Um, yeah. And she, you know, as with like middle school, uh, you know, middle school to me sucked when I did it <laughs> and I saw it sucked for my, for her and for, uh, for my son. Um, so, you know, as, as she was navigating through those years and we were as parents and learning what it's like, you know, I had my, my son is a couple years older, so I had the experience of junior high, but not from having a daughter and uh yeah it was parts of it were brutal just like middle uh middle school uh girls situations and drama could be really challenging um so there was some you know uh depression and heartache and just different experiences along the way um but then uh, i don't remember it was i think it was 2017 um some of the sadness i'll just call it sadness and anxiety stuff just wasn't going away, you know? And like, there's a part of me that's like, I, I never really dealt with that or experienced anxiety in myself. Uh, so I was always like, well, when's this going to go away? When's it going to go away? Mm. But things weren't going away, you know? And like, okay, we, and, uh, you know, my wife and I were always generally been on the same page and working together. Like, oh, let's have family therapy. Let's, let's do it. Let's talk this through. I'm doing my men's work. She's doing her work. We're doing something together. And like, recognizing like, Hey, this is not helping. Like something's, and then also seeing like, Oh, wait a minute. You know, cause I can look at it now. Like what I was doing then was thinking that I was the problem. 
afterwards that I had some cause in this. And that if I could, if I could do that, I could fix it. Egocentric, right? Right. And like, whoa, I mean, great parenting life lesson right there. Um, so to fast forward, things weren't getting better and actually they were getting worse. So her symptoms were showing up physically, uh, joint pain, lethargic, brain fog, uh, stomach aches, headaches, you know, and more above than what is like a normal situation, like daily, every day, every day, I can't get out of bed. I, and going to various doctors and clinics and not finding answers. And, you know, going traditional, non-traditional ways, just not finding the answers. And ultimately, we did find one answer that started this whole uh, um, redirect of what was happening. And um, she got diagnosed with Lyme disease. Um, and, you know, if she's ever listened to this, um, you know, just for everybody, it is called Lyme disease, disease not Lyme's. We, we have a family joke of when people say Lyme's disease, We're like, get the fucking name right. It's Lyme disease. <laughs> So that's a little plug. If she ever listens to this, I hope she's going to laugh along with me. Um, so Lyme disease is, you know, a tick-borne virus. Um, so suddenly, uh, you know, we are, we meaning my wife and I, and more from her direction of discovering and learning of like what that means. Where did she get it? How does it happen? You know, and we went through this whole process and then recognizing like there's so many different ways to treat it or not treat it. It's not curable. They don't. Some people don't believe in it, you know, as we saw, we went to different um, a hospital in Chicago when we were living in Chicago and the doctor said, you should, she should go see a therapist, take Advil. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, so that frustration and like pure anger of like, she's seeing a therapist and this is not like, oh, you think this is psychosomatic in your head um, and seeing firsthand like difference in opinions, like in the medical world, like, and I kind of knew we always kind of subscribe to alternative stuff and um, but we weren't closing our doors to anything. Um, so find out that she has Lyme. Okay. Oh, there's no cure. What do you do for it? And there's no set protocol. There's no clear path. Um, so it was a lot of discovery learning. What does this mean? We looked, she started looking at diet. We went a whole host of things and I could go on and on about Lyme and, uh, how it affects but what i learned what i learned most was that lyme does cause depression it cause it's it it, it like attacks brain waves too and it like uh it, it affects you mentally physically everything gotcha so we found this coach this was helping uh us and and when i say us like i kind of like i didn't kind of i took a, a back seat <laughs> to my wife because i it was one of those moments of like uh, I trust what she knows and how, how, for her to figure this out doesn't mean I wasn't going to be involved, but I'm like, uh, I'm going to follow her lead. Okay. So, I, I mean, I really just want to, you know, acknowledge and like all the years and work that she put into it because that that's how we got our answers. So we're, we're working through Lyme, we're working with a coach and then she asked to, we got this other blood test done. And then in the, this blood test, um, it uses, uh, bio resonance and it tests energetic uh frequencies uh you know so clearly not like in the western world of like how you diagnose things but um looking at frequencies and one of these reports came back that she was that she was pretty strong with the frequency for mold 
or specifically mycotoxins, and which a mycotoxin is actually the dusting off of mold. So people think of mold and they think of like, you know, you could see it on the wall, those black spots or spores. And that's not what I'm talking about, but it's from there, the, the, the mycotoxins, the dusting off of what particles in the air and then sit on the surface. So we find out that she's, uh, she has mycotoxins in her blood on a toxic level. She also has this other gene mutation that doesn't allow her body to break that down and Lyme. So once we got all these three things together, we, it, it all started to make sense. Oh, what made sense was like, well, where's the mold coming from? So, or I'm, and I use, I say mold often and I need to correct it because it's a mycotoxin. So we, we had a test done. We're like, well, let's look at her home first. Like, you know, and this is a home that we had, was a uh, turn of the century home that we had, uh, gutted in 2011. Um, so we had this testing and without going into all this uh, details of it, bottom line was the first thing on the report was get your daughter out of the house. That the home, that our home had high levels of mycotoxins. As you, uh, and the basement was one level way over what the safe level it should be. Then it was a first floor less. But when I say safe level, people have asked like, well, what do you have to do? I'm like, well, it's not like black mold that like you have to like legally disclose things. But for us, it was, um, I, I, that I'm able to break that down in my system. So is my wife. Most people can't mold and mycotoxins right. are in the environment. Right. But my daughter was not able to. So once we figured out that key, we're like, Oh, the, the, there's mycotoxins are just building up in her system. The lime is on top of that. And she can't, She's not letting it go. So once we got that report back and the first thing to say was to get her out of the house, she, she and my wife literally left the house the next morning, went to Target and went to my parents' house. And then we started to look at like, okay, how can we re remediate the home? And it was just, we had to remove everything from the house. Then we we're going to have to do this deep cleaning and it was going to be, you know, hundred or $200,000 to remediate the home, but there was no guarantee. <laughs> And it was one of those moments of sitting Oof. at the table like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, okay. You know, and it's not like, oh, if even if they said like, you spend this money and you're going to get, you know, your house will be okay. That like, I don't have that money. <laughs> so either way, it was like, you know, like in, uh, in some of the men's work, it's like, well, the, the dynamic of I'm fucked either way. <laughs> That's how I felt like. So yeah. make a choice. So we opted then to um, get rid of the house. Like we as a family, it's actually my son um, that came forth and spoke to it and said, yeah, we got to we got to let it go. This is this is not worth it. And he was saying that, she, you know, my daughter was never really never did really well in the house. And he has some. Uh, really profound uh, esoteric and energetic thoughts, I would say. That's how we'd classify it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, energetically, she's never, it's never been right for her here. We got to go. And, you know, it was like that family dynamic of like looking my, now my son, who well, at the time was what, 19, you know, like here he is stepping into his, his power to say, no guys, here's what's going on. Okay, cool. Um, and we kind of look back and like now, like when we would go, when we would go on vacations, she'd always feel better. Now we know. Oh, so, you're seeing the evidence in retrospect. Oh my God. Yeah. So within a, within a week of being out of the house, her headache was gone. She had a headache for six months. She was, she was literally in bed, could not get, we had to carry her to go to the bathroom. Now she's walking. 
now she's like feeling better. So then the decision to sell, like, okay, well, and not only selling the house, but the contents in it, because mycotoxins land on anything porous. <laughs> Look, if you want to have, if you're bored one day, walk around your house and just go, how many things in my house are porous? We'll absorb things. Just everything. everything. Right. <laughs> um, so, um, that's when we then we did, then we started selling stuff on Facebook Marketplace, and uh, um, yeah, just purged everything. We kept a small storage unit of some things with some of our things from uh, the kids, you know, their mementos and Christmas stuff and holiday other holiday stuff. Um, yeah, and I'm ju- I just I just paused for a second. What was it? And it, so we sold our house. Then we sold the house, put it on the market, and it sold pre-market, pre-listing, one showing, one offer. In fact, I had a joke with the, the realtor before we were doing this and they knew what was going on. We, we checked uh, some different stuff. We did some remediation, some cleaning up. Um, and I said to the realtor the day before, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to go for one, one and one. He's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, one showing, one offer and one acceptance. And and that's just how I've always operated to be so ridiculous. So ridiculous. Like, give me, like, if I'm going to throw something out there, I'm going to throw out the fucking best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And, and he looked at me, he's like, Eric, you know, you know, it, this is a process. And I, and I, and my wife just knows me and she's like, there, Eric is saying something ridiculous. And I said to him, I'm like, honestly, I totally know this is a shot in the dark. I'm not expecting any of this, but if I'm going to put something out there, I'm going to put out the best case scenario. Right, right. And that's exactly what fucking happened. <laughs> we had one showing, uh, one offer, and one acceptance. And we actually closed on the home uh, the same day the stay-at-home order hit. So this is like before COVID. So during the escrow period is when COVID started to unveil <laughs> itself. The clo- city of uh, Chicago stayed home, closing on the same day, the same day that I ended up closing my business for those couple of weeks. So it, everything kind of like all kind of came together of mm-hmm. purging. Yeah. Like l- literally letting go of it all. Well, and there's I, some interest. Go ahead. I was going to say of things. Because what I didn't, you know, as I said that, I'm like, wait a minute, I didn't let go of everything. Because what we held on to, what I held on to, and I'm going to say we, I don't like to say we even talk, but for my family, we held on to each other. Um, and like, yeah, we held on to each other. And like, you know, it's almost cliched or uh, to say like, you know, none of this matters. It's all, you know, family. I really got that like lesson hard and re- like embodied it, felt it and experienced it versus just some, you know, like a plaque that's on the wall that you read, you <laughs> know, some motivational talk. Yeah. Well, and mm. to tie that into some of my personal experience, I have some allergies, right? And I think it's sort of a parallel because let's take shrimp, for example, that can kill me. Right. And other people are like, oh, what do you mean? Shrimp? These are delicious. And so it's so easy to dismiss someone's experience if it's not your own. You're like, oh, what do you mean? The house is causing problems. I love the house. Mm right and it takes compassion be like what's happening what's going on and hey what's true for me might not be true for you my experience might not be your experience and to be willing right to to make such a big change says a lot i i think it says a lot about you and your family and priorities 
because I would say a lot of people might be like, well, we like the house. We've been here for a while and I don't have problems living in it. So suck it up. That, that, <laughs> that would be a, a choice. I think a lot of people might make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, as you said that, like, I just, to give voice to like recognizing the privilege that in this position that I am in my life, that we were as a family to be able to do that, to be able to pick. Right. Um, I don't, I, there's not a day that goes by that I don't recognize that component. Like not everybody could have done that. This right. is not like, you know, like, yeah, I just, not everybody could. And, and, and there's a lot of people that are out there that suffer the same type of stuff that my daughter did that d- did not have the backing financially or emotionally support to get through it or to do make these changes. And there's, and they're just in it, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I just want to at least give voice to like, like giving thanks and acknowledging the privilege that I have of uh, as my family to, to, to make these pivots. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, I understand what you mean. I, I have a dear friend who has Lyme, and she basically took a leap and she actually moved uh, to the Southwest to Utah to get oh, away, really? to get a, to get a better living space, better environment, you know, free of mold toxins, et cetera, and move there without a, a lot of support. And that's a big shift, a big risk, right? Uh, it takes courage. It takes courage to do that, to go into the unknown at the you know, chance of something better. Right. To, to leave behind that, that, which, you know, that's funny. Cause that's my daughter's name, you know, just for wait, her name is, her name is chance. Oh my God. I, oh. <laughs> I didn't tell you that. Did I? <laughs> no, I, I didn't. I didn't know that. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's beautiful. Oh man. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yeah. Something else is in, is, is it play is in play here for sure. Yes. Yes. So I guess to circle back a bit, I want to talk about this Hawaiian hiatus, if you will, and some of the the transformative experiences you went through to get to where where you are now. Is that a good starting place? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, and there's one thing that I wanted to speak to, and like, and I haven't yet out to really anybody. and I mean, you and I, I think we got connected through uh, Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one of my sessions with Joe recently, as I'm looking to do some, in addition to the work that I'm doing of like supporting and helping other people and family business, you know, it's, is it, it's not around business advice, but like dynamics of family. And I've been talking about um, like the idea, uh, not the idea, the concept of legacy. Behind. Mm. I learned a lot of this from my grandfather on my mother's side. Uh, you know, it's not like the things you leave behind, but it's more like, what are the things that people say about you when you're like, then that's really resonated with me. And, and as I was talking to Joe and he, he threw out this word like, oh, generational wealth, you know, and he kept using it a couple of times. And, and, and there was a part of me that's listening and I knew what he was getting at, but the words were like, ow, like it, it was an, it, like, no, dude, no, it's not, it's not about the wealth. Like, it's not about Money's a component to it, but it's not about that. And then it's like, well, what is it? And I said, oh, it's um, 
generational richness. So we just started talking about this, like this idea of like richness of like, what is rich? I'm like, rich is to be filled up in my heart, to be connected with other people, to be supporting others, to be supported. And like, generational richness in within my family and how other how we create that within our family dynamic um so that that's the legacy piece that gets left on that there's a quality um <laughs> of uh, yeah it's like one of my one of a, a dear friend of mine a while back said he's i'm looking for experiences of quality not quantity and that's exactly it of like because that's how do you how do you take that richness that just like feel fills me up feels another that it's not necessarily attached to the bank account it's not trackable by a number so it's, I, I i felt compelled to share that i'm like i'm going to take the risk and put that out there like uh generational richness is something that like is ex- inspiring to me and new and like oh that's that's really what i want to be stand for that's what i want to really uh look at so it does tie in because my family started <laughs> My family unit started in Hawaii, so yes. And this, go ahead. Yeah, you, you go ahead. <laughs> the idea of it's not about the years in your life; it's about the life in your years. I think that that's one way that I carry this concept of of quality, or well, kind of segueing into Hawaii, right? This idea of place, and I think for some of us, definitely not everyone, but for many of us today we have much more optionality in choosing location than we've ever had in human history, right? Humans now have the ability to go places in the past they simply couldn't, right? And this isn't true for everyone, but it's true for a lot of people. And I think many of us are not aware of both this ability and this privilege. Like I had a friend who after college moved to Ohio and there was a potential, let's say he spent his whole life there. And you could ask, well, what made you choose to spend your entire life in Ohio and start a family there? And the answer is, oh, well, when I finished school, that was the first place I got offered a job. So everything follows from this, hey, I just put out some applications and this one accepted me and therefore 50 years is in Ohio. And Hawaii, I think, is a special place because in my experience, people don't end up in Hawaii. Hawaii is a destination. People go to Hawaii. It's not a place where you end up or people go there by happenstance and then they choose to stay. Does that align with your experience? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like I was just driving on the road and I landed in Hawaii. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) it's kind of funny, but, um, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, again, like I, I was brought, I got brought to Hawaii under, uh, I, I was previously married for a short period of time before mm-hmm. I met, uh, before Christy and I were together. And that's where we went on our honeymoon. So that was my first, inter- inter- that how I, how I was brought to Hawaii. And I remember being there and like, oh, I mean, what's not to like about it? But for, for me, I love the ocean. I love the beach. You know, um, that just always has been a part of me. Uh, liking so I remember like at the time when I was there and like oh it'd be great to live there and like coming back and you know sharing and everyone's like yeah you know it was almost like a joke like that would be great um but it is as quickly as like I got married and that relationship uh was falling apart just as it was getting started uh you know I look back and like uh, 
I, I, there's no regrets I have because it all led me to the, to where I am today and those choices that I made. Um, that's what got me to Hawaii. Uh, I really don't want to acknowledge or give any accolade to like that relationship for opening that door for me, mm-hmm. but, uh, but that's true. So when I came back and then, um, we, uh, we'd split up, um, yeah, I felt like we split up when we were there on our honeymoon. Uh, anyway, okay. um, but the idea in my head of like, oh, I, you know, why is that funny? Why is that crazy? Why don't I do that? And I, for me, it was like, uh, yeah, pivotal, pivotal point. I was what, 25, 26. I've been working with my dad for a couple, you know, four years, something like that. And uh, I just had this flash of like, oh my God, if I don't do something differently right now, I'm never going. And I could see like, uh, and then, uh, yeah, that's when I was like, um, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to move. I'm going to go do that. And, um, yeah, I told my dad, uh, uh, I remember telling my dad, he was so, sometimes I would say he was so pissed off, but I really think that underneath he was just really sad and let down. Like, cause I was his, in some way I was like his exit, like his plan, like he could, he could rest a little bit and I'd been coming oh. in and there was this buildup and then I'm like, uh, time out. Um, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you a, like in my head at the time, I thought it was like, I'm not just springing this on you. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a year. We could figure out a plan together. You know, I mean, looking back, I was like, I was naive and unaware of like, cause I thought it would make sense to him. I'm like, why would he not want to jump on board and figure out how we could redesign this, this business for him. And now looking back, I'm like, well, he wasn't ready and that's not what he wanted to do. But uh, to pull it back to me, it's like, I said, I'm going to do that. You know, they were like, what are you going to do? Like, I, I, I have no idea. I wanted to go to massage school. I wanted to work at a dive shop. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what, I, that's what sounded exciting. And at the time um, when I was kind of planning this and I've known uh, Christy for a couple of years uh, through, through work, through business. And uh, we became friends and started hanging out quite a bit. And yeah, uh, I, 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 I fell for her hard quickly and oh. hard. Like, <laughs> and I, I recall being in her house one day and she, when she said we were just in conversation because so we got kind of got together as like I'm the guy, dude that's moving to Maui and um, she uh, I remember her saying just in conversation well when we go and I was like oh you're coming she's like I am coming I'm like cool um, <laughs> she'd never been um, you know at this time we were we, I I think it was four months that we were really together before we left to go to Maui together. So, you know, Hey, why not? Let's do something radically different. Let's move to a different place. And you know what? Let's go somewhere where I don't know anybody. And with somebody that I just started today. Yeah. Sounds like a great recipe for success. Doesn't it? I mean, um, what it it has been, but, (laughs) um, so we got to, uh, when we got to Hawaii, we got there in uh, 99, late 99. Um, and actually we drove across country to get out there. And when we got there, that's when we, uh, we had a change in plans in what we thought we were going to do. We were going to be, we lived in a tent for a couple of weeks. We were just going to like check out, so to speak, like I'm going to go work at a dive shop. I don't get, uh, you know, well, that all mindset kind of changed when we discovered she was pregnant. Okay. <laughs> she was, and that's, that's our son. Um, so <laughs> it's, to me, it's funny. It's like getting there, like we've run Hawaii. We're, oh my God, we did it. 
you know, we got there. We didn't have a car. We didn't have a house. We didn't have a job. We, we had to figure all that out. And oh, and by the way, you're having a kid. Oh my god. Oh, again, it was like, I mean, there was a part of me that was so excited, and the other part was so fucking scared. Like, right. I mean, I never, right. I never held a baby until my son was born. He was the first baby I ever held. You know. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so Hawaii took on a whole different like uh, path than I thought it was going to, because then it was like, oh, I can't really just totally check out from things. Oh my god, I'm gonna be a dad. I, I, I didn't did not have any container of what that meant. Um, but one thing that really set some things in a, in a really beautiful path, really really beautiful path that I could. I mean, I've done transformational work. I did like the landmarks uh, education before I went to Hawaii, so I. I had some of that knowledge, um, but Christy and I did a, a birth class. A birth, it was from birthing from within was the, um, the schooling, so to speak. Uh, and it was led by uh, this beautiful human being who is still a, one of our dearest friends and her family is uh, as well. It was off in the jungle, you know, um, we sat down and there was a couple other couples and there was a friend's house. It was that tea and scones. And like, and we just started talking about like the inner work of what birthing was going on. And my wife uh, has been a doula for all these years. So, and it, so she was, she was teaching classes and wanted to get into birth work. And like, so, so again, there was a lot of direction coming from her knowledge. And I'm like, right. yeah, you know, not to be like, oh, I, I'm alone for the ride. And I was I was buckled in. I'm, okay, I'm I'm ready, and I'm like I'm looking. I was looking to her for direction, that and it was in that birth class that, you know, that we got to share intimately together with other people about fears. Um, I remember some of the other dads in the group you know, being like, you know, you know, which has been common from my experience of like not all men, but like talk about feelings like, oh, give me a break, you know, what what's all that uh, emotional stuff? I always liked it. That's like, that's what yeah. I gravitated towards. So for me, it was like, oh, wow, I felt at home. I'm like, oh, this is where we're supposed to be. I don't know. Again, like, I don't know what this, this path looks like. I don't know where I'm going with it. I just know that this is where I'm, this is the calling. This is what I'm supposed to do. And yeah, like for moments in time, like nothing else really mattered. Yeah. That mm-hmm. outside chatter from others or even that internal chatter, it didn't matter because it was like, uh, Wow, there's there's a child coming into this world, and wow, and so learning that process of what that's going to be, and while just and learning who Christy is, learning who we are together, you know, and we, you know, we've been married, it'll be uh, 23 years in February, and uh, you know, so uh, it's awesome, and I I kind of look at it and go, so you know, like our past is maybe not for certainly not for everybody. You know, like the, the idea of like you meet, you date for so many years and then you get married because then, you know, well, I, I don't know. That, that's not that's not how it worked for me. And for me, it's been more like, oh, you seem like a good match. Cool. You let's 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 learn each other as we go along. That'll <laughs> that'll give I think us something historically, to go. <laughs> that's how it mostly was. Like, I think <laughs> when when I've studied marriage as an institution, a lot of it historically has been around uh, exchange of property and or status. But I think on top of that, a lot of the history has been, let's make a commitment and then we'll learn. 
Whereas now we seem to have this weird thing of being to me, being loving and being in love are very different. To me, these are very different things. And I think the paradox is that being loving makes being in love easier. And for some reason, I think people have created this construct of, okay, let's just date around. And then the person that I'm in love with the most is the person I must marry, which uh, I associate more with like a emotional roller coaster rather than a, a stable thing. And uh, I think it's a totally different approach to say, hey, I found a person and they're pretty good and we're going to grow together. Woohoo, let's grow. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um that approach is these days I, I think not super common, right? Or the relationships that I see panning out best are when both people are committed to discovering themselves and each other. Yeah. Uh, and I I would agree with you. I would agree with you on that. And I don't know, I'm just I'm also aware of like this is my experience. Like I <laughs> I can't speak to it for anyone else or this mm -hmm. is how it should be. Uh, or like, here's the recipe or here's somebody else here. Follow my lead. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, it's just what, and that's just how my story has unfolded. And, you know, Christine, I've often spent like, you know, over the years and, you know, we've seen friends get divorced and split ups and, you know, and that, those challenges and people like some, some people said, what's your secret, you know? <laughs> it's really simple. Uh, don't give up. Other than that, I don't know, but don't yeah. give up. And let, I mean, you know, and, and that's, then that's not a blanket statement for anybody because there's other circumstances, but for us, it's like, or for me, Oh, the things that I pushed up against the things that are challenging the way that, that I'm challenged by her. Um, it, it, it all just keeps coming back. Like, okay, there's, there's certainly hard moments of that, you know, I get, put in my place or she she holds that mirror for me or like and then it hurts it stings and there's like everything in my gut is like i do not want to acknowledge that i don't want to look at that and then like underneath it's like and what am i gonna go do start all over again like and not to say like oh i'm just gonna settle because it's not settling but like oh i i can't run I can't run because this feeling is inside me. It's my own work. It's my own distraction. It's my own whatever it is. And that like, oh, I could try searching for somebody different or some other places, but like wherever you go, there you are kind of thing. Right, right. <laughs> oh, that same bullshit, that same story that I was running about myself, um, it really wasn't her. It's me. And that's going to follow me. So we both have kind of come to an understanding of like what, how that shows up. Like now some of the, we'll still get into, we get in arguments, you know, difference of opinions. Sometimes we're heated and ultimately it's like, we just kind of recognize we come to this point, like, can we just, okay, I'm going to give it some space. You give it some space. We don't need to rehash this. This is that same, that same pattern, that same wound that's coming up again for me. It's coming up for you. It's never going to go away. You know, where did and, and, you? Yeah, it's never, it's not going to go away. Okay, now what? Well, it doesn't mean that it's going to run the show or that I'm going to be, you know, that's going to lead, but just recognizing like it's just a part of me. And just like the shitty parts of me are not going to go away, it's more my own self check. The same with her. The parts that she doesn't like about herself are going to still show up. And it's like, I can't expect her to get rid of things or to let go of it. 
let go of shit. I hate that line. I hate that. <laughs> Sorry. We talked. We talked about that song. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know a, how that came up, but that's okay. I think. I think why I don't like that phrase is because it implies a dismissiveness, right? Yeah. And I'm curious. Was there a particular point or a particular catalyst where? It sounds like you've done a lot of this inner work. Was there a time when you think it it began, or has it kind of always been like that? Um, well, I could I I always remembered it like as a kid, well, not feeling like I fit in. That's one thing. But the other side of like I, being called sensitive, you know, mm, like my mother, like yes. concerned, like uh, <laughs> he's sensitive. And I don't know why that like that's still when I say that that still is a negative like again like a l- like a little poke or a little jab. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, because, well, because that falls into because well, men aren't supposed to be sensitive. You're supposed to be strong or like have my shit together and all this stuff. But like that never didn't never jived with me. Never never like made sense. So even as a kid, like I always I knew. I always like if I had other family members to say to me like, oh yeah, you're, you you get along with everybody. Like I knew, like I was not the smartest one. I was a slow reader, you know, school. I hated it. I was behind in stuff, but I could always just feel people and connect with them or listen or just, and, or be kind. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) um, So I think that that was, that's always been a part of me, you know? And then it's like, as I got older, like finding opportunities, like when I was in high school, um, there was a thing called the peer counseling. And I remember it was like the juniors and seniors would bring the freshmen during study hall and do like certain activities to get like icebreaker games and get to know each other. And um, I love participating. in. I remember going, this is fun. And people were like, Oh, why are we talking about our feelings and stuff? I'm like this, <laughs> this is really cool to me. And my buddy was going to interview when we were uh, seniors and he's like, he was giving me a ride home and he goes, well, I'm interviewing to be a peer counselor. I'm like, oh, dude, come on. Like, we got to go. He's like, well, just wait for me. In fact, why don't you, you should just go. So I'm waiting. And they're like, oh, you're here to interview for it. I'm like, well, I was waiting for a friend, but I'll interview for this. Sure. And I, <laughs> I ended up getting it. It was only like, I don't remember how many, a few people that got selected. My buddy was, I mean, he was upset with me. He's like, you didn't even fucking want to do that. But oh, and he didn't get it. <laughs> he didn't get it. And oh. I got it. <laughs> so oh. then it was like the first, that was the first time I got to be like in a mentor type role. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the beginning. Uh, when I got out of college, uh, the first experience I really did like training was the, uh, the landmark forum, the landmark education. Uh, and I mean, I, everybody, I, I've talked to so many people who have know about it heard about it all these different feelings and opinions about it and like and honestly i don't really give a shit about what anybody else thinks about it i just know what i got from it uh and at the time in my life it was awesome again i hear i was like in a group of a couple hundred people people are getting cracked open so to speak emotionally uh in some ways brutally <laughs> it was it was like it was really it was kind but it was it didn't feel compassionate but it was direct and it just spoke to me. And again, I was like, Oh, I like this. Yeah. I met some great people and I did another, I did the advanced course. Um, yeah. So those experiences certainly opened up my, the, the conversation, gave me some new language. 
recognizing as I was older, like, oh, started to put some things together. And then uh, when we went to Hawaii, um, funny, when I first met my mother-in-law, she was coming, she was staying with Chrissy downtown and she walked in and she's like, oh, I'm doing this thing for the weekend. And I was like, What's, what thing is it? She's like, oh, it's just self-help, personal growth. I'm like, cool, what's the name of it? You know, and she was kind of being uh, aloof about it. And she said, oh, it's called The Landmark. I was like, you're kidding me. She's like, you know what? I'm like, oh, I've done it. So my, what, my first time I met my mother-in-law was that she was in, she was going to do the same training. Um, and since then, uh, she's done it. Uh, her husband, my, uh, my stepfather-in-law did it. Chrissy's siblings, all of them have done it. So it's like this family connection. Um, and then when we were in Hawaii, um, you know, I talked about the birth work and Christy was doing a lot of women's circles. Um, and my first men's group was a bunch of dads going, the, we're all holding babies. Like when the wives are going dancing and lighting, you know, doing sacred ceremonies or like, uh, we got to do something. Right. And then, um, yeah, so we started, we read David Data's book, The Way of the Superior uh, Warrior, Way of the Superior Man. Yep. Um, we just had to have a book club about it. It was a great book, but that first meeting was, it, it wasn't what I was hoping it to be, but we were all there. And then I found this book called The Circle of Men, which was written by Bill Koff, one of the founders of uh, the Mankind Project. And it was a, a manual word, step-by-step uh, -step of how to run an I group or an integration group, which is, so for four years, eight of us met every other week in circle doing men's work, no training, just a book, trying all kinds of crazy shit, you know, wounding each other, getting in fights, disagreements, learning, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a beautiful fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, but you kept showing up. We did because we, we all agree that like, there's something here. Like, and we were, we were dropping in, we were dropping down, we were letting go, we were like sharing intimate stuff about ourselves, sharing our fears, sharing our joys, all of it. Um, and in the back of that book, it was like, oh, there's this, this training. And, and at the time, it wasn't in Hawaii. And we're like, well, we could fly to California. But at the time, like, none of us really were in a financial position to like, like going on a date with Chrissy at the time was going to Taco Bell and getting two bean burritos. That was it. Like, that was a, that was like a, high-end date so we didn't i didn't have the funds to go do that um yeah but we met and did that uh and it was cool like each man would lead a different week and you know sometimes there was some psychedelics that were brought into it at a couple different meetings that was really far out there like oh we're taking this to another direction other times it was like you know um inner child work uh and again it was frightening it was scary it was exciting and again i felt like this is where i'm supposed to be some like this this i i felt it in my bones of like this is a space that i that I, that feels good to me it's, and feeling good what does that really mean like uh, i just felt um clear and connected in my sadness in my joy in my fear in all all the um ugliness and it felt it still feels powerful to like be in a space where I could share those fears and ugliness in myself with others that don't, that could hold it with me and are not using that against me outward, you know? Um, so, and then when I came, when we moved back to Chicago in 2007, um, yeah, I was clear, like, oh, I'm going to do this training. I'm going to do the new warrior training. And I, and it, 
again, another uh, sequence of where my, uh, I came back to work with my dad. My desk was still there. My name tag on my parking space eight years later, like, oh, well, this whole, I needed to leave to go discover what I really wanted within me, but was all right here. But the difference was I needed to find that within myself. Um, and I remember being at lunch and like, look, where's, okay, where's this new, where's this mankind project? Where's the, and I looked at the, the, the address. I'm like, Fulton street. Holy fuck. That's seven blocks down the street. My business is on Fulton. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dad, I'll be right back. I get in the car and I drive down. I'm like, seven blocks down the street is the Mankind uh, Project Center. And I'm like, knock on the door. And this this uh, beautiful man opens the door. He's like, and he was kind of confused. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm here to sign up for the weekend. Well, now looking back, apparently like people don't just knock on the door there to sign up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what years later I found out like, some some of my friends, it was like you had to fucking pull teeth to get them to even like consider going. Right. Um, so then I did that training in uh, 2007. Um, and again, like going through all the, the experience of like, it was frightening and everything, but every step of the way through that training, I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And then I took it. I was in leadership roles for a while in it. Um, but I just got the sense of like that I, this, I'm good at this. It was the first time in my life that I actually gave voice to what I'm good at. What I'm good at is uh, listening and, and diving deep. And um, one of one of my buddies in, the, in my group in the beginning called me a shadow meister. Like I, and I just love the idea, the concept of the shadow, that darkness. It's always been in me, but not and not using it against some against something, but you working with it. And you know, I don't. Sh- point somebody's shadow out or question something in a friend or something because I want to put them down. Like, no, I love you enough. I love you enough. And I care enough about you um, that I'm going to offer this. And I hope that you do the same for me. You know, it's like, yeah. are you the friend, you know, like you got something in your teeth here. I mean, I got to say something, you know, how many people won't say something because they don't want to embarrass that person. You got something in your teeth there. Right. But, and then you notice you, you leave a situation and you look in the mirror, like what the fuck? Why didn't anybody tell me that? <laughs> that? That's a peeve of mine as well. And I, I had an old coworker who I would get on her about this because it happened once. And this was in a customer facing job, right? Like at a front desk where people come up. And if we'd be at lunch together, I'd be like, Steph. And I'd give her this stank eye of like, Steph, we were at lunch. And I had four hours of work after said lunch and there's a piece of lettuce in my face. Like, help me out. Help me. Yeah. Well, what's that about? <laughs> I, and I think what's funny is she persistently was afraid, right? Was afraid that it would be worse if she told me. I'm like, well, now 40 people just think I'm slovenly and disgusting. <laughs> right? Right. You can tell me I'm gross. It's okay. Then I'll be ungross, and and then it'll be all right. Right. Because what's 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 the worst part of that? Like I just had this hit of like the worst part in that moment is like oh that relationship with her or that relationship with my friend like that that would get broken. There's something would happen. You know. Oh, you're worried about our friendship breaking, but who cares about everybody else? Like you know, yes, like, yes. Wait a second. And yeah. and I mean I get it, but in just like kind of flipping that like. No, the person I care about the most, that would be the person I would want to tell the most. 
Yes. Right? Yes. Well, and it's, it's funny because the flip side of that coin is I had another colleague later in life who also happens to be a doula. And I would oh. say has, uh, she's done a lot of inner work. And we weren't super close at this time. And we're on shift and she comes up to me and gets really close to my face and plucks a nose hair without asking. And it goes, <laughs> oh, that was really bothering me. <laughs> and I was just flabbergasted like, oh, that, that was bothering you. Like part of my face was bugging you and went up and just. And um, but but ultimately, um, only that, a doula could do that. Only, only a doula, yeah. Only a doula, only a doula could do that. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yep, yep. And it was just a signal of, because who knows, right? It was. Uh, I was working as a waiter. That can impact your tips. I mean, by how much, it's hard to know. But if part of my appearance was bothering her, presumably it would bother others as well. And it was more of like this. Hey, I've got you, bro. Yoink. <laughs> <laughs> um, unprompted, unasked. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's quite memorable as as well. I, I think I'll probably never forget that. Um, uh, no, I could see why you should you should use that story more. That's that's pretty impactful. <laughs> <laughs> so, you you have this kind of long storied history of I'll call it conscious leadership. Why not? And um, I'm curious after leaving the family business and returning to it, what were some of the, the ripples, right? And, and how has that gotten you from, let's say, 07 when you came back from Hawaii to now? Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's easy to go, well, things change outside of me, but really they did. Um, yeah, for me, it was, I mean, the, when we, I was in real estate, the last thing I was do, doing in Maui and that again, like we, I was almost to the place where like things were going to be doing well, like, oh my God, we're actually going to be able to afford living here and supporting my family. And that was 2007 <laughs> and that got wiped away. So here I was again, like, oh, everything I have just gone. So it, I guess that's for me, like really how I operate, like for me to really to make a shift to, to pivot on a really deep level, like I'm not the kind of, per, I'm not an, uh, like an in-between kind of person. It's the, either all of it or nothing <laughs> um, to my detriment. Sometimes like that there's no, it's, it's I find a hard to be in the middle space. Um, so having that and then coming back, it was certainly humbling because I had this story, this narrative, like I went to Hawaii screw all of you people that laughed at me and thought this wasn't cool or what you're up to right. and your, your degrees and everything. I'm living in Maui. And, that, and then to go from, uh, yeah, now I'm back living in my parents' house for a little bit and I'm going back to work with my dad was humbling. <laughs> humbling. But it, it wasn't very long into my return back to work with my dad that I got to see like, oh, right. What I really wanted to do, I wanted to do something for myself. I wanted to work with other people. I wanted to be like, I wanted to get in it, you know, and I would, and at the time it was like, I wanted to get dirty. I wanted to do something with my hands. Like I'm not like a mechanic, so to speak, but I, you know, I didn't want to sit at a desk. It's not me. And I wanted to do something that like gave back. that was good for the world. I'm like, hmm, let's see. Uh, recycling. Yes. Yeah, it has a pretty, it has a positive impact on the world. Check with my hands. Right. Check. So, 
and for my for my dad and I, if I could speak for me, it was just seeing him in a different way. Like it's part of me, like good or bad. Like I don't think he's changed. Like he's always yeah, he's he's grown too, but he's still the same person, and he's still the same dad that loved and cared for me and was able and was really provided for me in a whole lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Some ways that I, I still have a, a struggle seeing some things to this day, but I, like the intentions are there and I know he means well, and that's all good. Um, so then when it was come, when we came back, it was just like, we jumped in and I was older. I had more direction. I had two kids. Like, it wasn't like, I'm just kind of working with my dad. Like, no, I, I had 11 jobs in those eight years in Maui. I, so I saw firsthand at, you know, what it was like to work with some great, for some great people. And I saw firsthand what it was like to work for some not so great people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then just, and then it, then it just started to flow. I started getting new business. And again, it was like, but I had the confidence in me. Like my, I remember Cranes Magazine was this Chicago business magazine. And each year they'd print out like top hundred companies, you know, revenue producing and then break it down into groups. And I remember my, in my first go around with, with, uh, with, with my dad and work was calling those numbers and cold call. Like, and that was the list like, Oh, here's the print shop. Okay. And the cold calling aspect. Well, Hey, more power to people that can do that. And like, but I, it was never my thing. I don't like it. I, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to, I got to find a different way. I'm going to cover my own path. And, and by definition, it's cold. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn for me was like, okay, well, cool. Uh, if I'm going to spend time, like hours driving around, call, um, LinkedIn came out. I started connect, trying, you know, different ways, you know, training in it. Um, that was how I met, connected with my biggest customer, longest running customer that I established to this day. Is a dear friend of mine, and then another one, and then like I figured out just how I can't even put it down in writing or articulate a system, a way of operating within LinkedIn of how to connect with people, but it was working. And then I get a meeting. It's like I knew that like if I met with somebody, cool, like the numbers I could work out, but like either we were going to get along and work together or we're not. And the difference between my dad and I, not right or wrong, just difference in when I came on board, there was a lot of old school stuff and customers that were irate, not, 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 not kind, not easy to work with. And I, and I pushed up against that, like dad, you know, like that guy's an asshole. <laughs> he isn't just, yeah, total judgment, but he's that guy's a fucking asshole. Why am I dealing with him every day? And, well, and that's know, expensive, you know, maybe not for the business, for your health. Right, like you're losing sleep, or like you're not present at dinner because of some dickwad. That's expensive. It 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 is. However, generationally, well, I'm calling it that, but like my dad's view was different. Mm -hmm. My dad's was like, "Who gives a shit? He's an asshole." He his business bought my car. Do you like your car? So he, my dad, had a way of putting that putting into perspective of like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but I don't like not say I don't care, but. But here's what I get from that. Here's what you're going to get from this. Hmm. So to see the re- the monetary exchange and that financial reward, got it. But in my gut, I was like, yeah, you know, like that's cool. Like I'll go along with that, and I'll. But that's not me. That's not me. Um, yeah, and you know, and then as I got more comfortable moving through things and 
growing. I tripled the amount of business we were doing, you know, and to the point my, I remember my dad looking like, I don't even understand what, <laughs> what deals you got rolling here. How is that? How did that happen? Um, What's this whole kindness thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. You know, it was like a lot of like working through MKP for 15 years and learning questions and like being in a business setting, you know, and listening to somebody and like, well, hey, hey man, tell me what you're afraid of. What? What are you really afraid of here? And using some of the jargon, some of the lingo, the training in that space and bringing it into work, but not like we're not going to do like a, uh, you know, childhood wounds mm -hmm. <laughs> in right, a board right. meeting, but Hey, I hear what you're saying, but it sounds like you're afraid. What's the, what are you, what's underneath all that? You know, those questions that, that, uh, drop down, that open up people to be vulnerable that by, and yeah. by, by doing it myself, by leading that way, you know, and I remember hearing people like, you should, you really don't need to be sharing some of that personal stuff in business. Like keep, keep them separate. I don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't saying, either. I mean, I'm not saying like give everything, but like, right. and so that was, that just unfolded uh, and allowed the business to grow massively quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot where I was going with that, but that, uh, so I'm going to stop right there. And say, <laughs> yeah, that, that's cool. I mean, yeah, to reflect on that a little, it sounds like, and again, you know, this counterintuitive or unusual mode of being is well i guess to circle back a little because i thought of this earlier but i didn't say it out loud there's many definitions for what does a love mean but one of the definitions i like is knowing all the buttons to push right knowing all the stuff where you could really hurt somebody and choosing not to mm. and a recent lesson for me has been vulnerability is strength right and that's very much a brene brown type thing but bringing that into the workplace. Uh, like I, I have a friend who's a master negotiator, right? And he's done all this work and all these trainings. And I just said to him, I said, Hey, dude, if we if we get into that arena, you're just going to kick my ass. So I'm just okay with whatever number is okay with you. Like you decide something if it feels fair, I'll, I'll roll with it. And he's like, you just, you just Jedi mind fucked me. Like you out negotiated the negotiator, but there's, there's something really special and, and beautiful around that because it's, it involves respect, right? It's, it's also a blind side for a lot of people and it completely shifts the battleground, right? In business, there's all of these adversarial war-based metaphors, right? Our competition, we must crush them, kill them, defeat them instead of, Hey, do you want to work together? This guy wants to work together. What do you mean together? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's there's only there's only so much out there that we all have to fight over the same thing. Like, is that? I mean, is that really true? Right. Mm, yeah. Or or is it? Is there enough for everybody? I mean, that, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole yeah. conversation yeah. In itself of like, is there not enough or is there enough? And you know, funny a little side note like you 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 know. It, at, at, when people ask the questions like is your glass half full or half empty uh -huh. I, I i asked my son that one time and not mm -hmm. long ago and it's so fucking funny i want to words to live by right and i'm like would you say your glass is half full or half empty he's like i don't give a fuck i'm just happy there's water in there yeah <laughs> like, yeah oh right yeah right missing the right. point there's water in there just uh, yeah. that's what you got yeah 
or another perspective <laughs> is like actually mine's full there's half water half air i have a full glass <laughs> right yeah oh. well and, and it's also funny because uh i was talking to a friend recently like words i love words and language and um when it comes to uh creativity right that word has such a positive connotation oh you're creative right you have a lot of creativity it's like well sex is procreation sex is literally the most creative thing we ever do and it is one plus one is three right one and one comes together and then the sum becomes three right <laughs> and so if you're creative you can do that right and i think the metaphor works like hey if if we come together we'll create something new we'll create something that wasn't there before but often that requires a fundamentally different perspective from squabbling like hey we're going to take these ingredients and we're going to make a new thing and um i guess i think that that covers that fairly well is there anything else you wanted to add in terms of how i'll call it your men's work has impacted your professional work um other than just I, honestly i'm not sure the two are uh i'm able to separate the two that they're interchangeable I, I think that's well said that, that that says a lot right there <laughs> <laughs> And that's, that's been the growth period that like, it used to be like, that was the thing of like, I'm going to my group, I'm gonna go do my work and then come back. But like, and I see and I've seen this quite a bit. And again, nothing right or wrong. But like, I've seen like, sitting in a circle with men and for years and like, and then meeting their partners or something else. And like, they, and the partner doesn't know anything about what they've been doing. I'm like, what? I mean, I, I have a lot of judgment around that. But like, yeah. oh, I would leave my group and like, debrief with my wife and again for the record for anybody that's in those men's circles no i'm not sharing information about other people and what they've done in those circles but i'm coming home like oh my god this is what i this is what we were talking about this is what i learned and utilized christy and even my kids as that sounding board and like to either uh support validate or help me work with because they I would come back and like, and I'd have these epiphanies like, oh my God, I just realized like, you know, how I don't, I really don't, sometimes I don't really don't listen to people. I don't want to, you know, and here's why. And the three of them are looking at me like, yeah, uh, can we get onto something new here? Like we've not fucking known this forever. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so that, that, that was my last piece that I wanted to share, but like, of uh, uh, that, that there, that, that it's all like an integration of bringing it all mm. together of like, I don't keep those parts separate or, yeah. I mean, not, I don't, it's not all like merge, but like, there's mo like, I, how do I, how do I weave this together? Right. Yeah. I think that's a good segue, this concept of work-life balance. And so if I understand correctly, uh, let's say as part of this sort of COVID saga, if you will, you have been being a, a nomad, right. <laughs> For some time. Yeah. And I think, that is a beautiful example of this interplay of work and lifestyle, right? And the the deep work you've done that has had impacts in, you know, your, your personal and professional life that has enabled you to live in this way, because I assume, right? I mean, definitely for myself, I assume for you too, that the way you're living your life right now was just not on the menu, <laughs> right? <laughs> in the past, it's like, oh, here's the deal. You're ever. You're going to be successful. You're going to be thriving. And oh, by the way, you're also going to be able to travel at the same time without giving it all up. Right. Right. 
So could you share some of your, your travel slash story? I think early in the conversation, we got a taste of some of that, this, I'll call it um, pre-COVID and then COVID-induced transformation, but maybe backtrack from, or, or go forward from there to now, like you're in New Mexico, correct? Yeah, I'm just yeah. outside of Santa Fe, outside of yeah. Santa Fe. Yeah, um, after we, after the house, after we sold our house, and we were in Chicago, just north of the city, um, and then my wife and daughter had been living in different Airbnbs. My parents, my son and I were in the house cleaning it out once. So once that was the house is all done, we came back together as a family. Um, uh, and we stayed in an Airbnb in uh, Portage Park, just west of uh, the city, a, a neighborhood in Chicago. And so we're in this uh, Airbnb, happy to be back together again uh, as a unit. Um, my son's girlfriend was with us too. Um, and that was really special and fun. Um, yeah, so then it went from like, we were just all together and like, I'm working in the basement coming up, we're making food together. We're, we're doing walks together. Um, just movie nights, you know, like, oh my God, like I'm spending time with my family. Like I haven't in a long time, just because I'm like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not waking up at three forty-five in the morning, leaving at five and coming home at six. Like suddenly there's all this time. And, um, I think it was uh, it was definitely Chance that said it was her idea that said, well, if if we don't have own a house anymore, we don't have our things, we just closed the business. Why are we here in Chicago? <laughs> you know, and right. and honestly, like I was like, oh damn, like I I can't move again. I can't leave. Like I already did that and I came back. I don't this narrative, and instead of like saying no which is my a common go-to somebody offers a suggestion particularly my kids or some of my family about doing something that's maybe a little radical or different i'm like no way no way no way no 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 it, it just shoots out I'm like okay well what would that well right i didn't have a reason to say no other than i don't want to but even that was like i don't i don't want to go travel that's not true <laughs> right um so we just was like, let's get in the car. We have a cat. Um, we decided, like, okay. Well, I had to close uh, the the one thing that was keeping us in Chicago was that with the the, the plant, I had a, a liquidation sale to sell off all the equipment and all the assets in it. So we set that in motion. We did that, uh, and then we October fifth to twenty twenty, um, my wife and my daughter and our cat Seymour. Uh, got on the road. My son decided um, after six months of being at home and um, I really wanted him and his girlfriend to come with us. And I, he said, no, he wanted to get started. Want to get a, start making money. I'm like, so he, we, we got him situated. He moved into an apartment and then um, the three of us left Chicago and we're like, let's go West. And my, both well, my kids had talked about like, Oh, we, let's go to Mexico, New Mexico. We've never been here. Didn't really, weren't really sure what it was about, but I had in my head of like, I want, we want, we were like, all of us were like, we want warm. We want beach. People were like, can you go back to Hawaii? Like, no, been there, done that. Not interested. I want something different. So we set on the road to go to um, uh, San Diego. Like that, that was where it was going to be. Um, I mean, we, we, overall, we've, the past year, we've hit 19 States, 30,000 miles driven, I've slept in 37 different homes um, from the East coast to the West coast um, all during COVID. Like when 
you know, shit's hitting the fan everywhere. People are staying home and like, I mean, we weren't socializing. We were just going to another house and being out in nature away from everybody. Um, Yeah. So some of it we had planned when we got started, we had like November, October, November plan. And then we just kept adding on, like, where do we want to go next? Where should we stay? Um, And it became kind of like this conversation of like, what's next? Where should we go? Um, And if you ask my family, like I wanted to plan out four months, like I need, I can't be like, we don't have anywhere to stay next week. That was really uncomfortable. So I got pushed up against their, what I'll call like relaxed feeling of like, it's all going to work out. And in my head, like, yeah, I'm going to go with that. But but we got like two weeks. Where are we going to stay? So again, here I am thinking like, oh, I'm free as a bird. People are like, man, that's great. But yet internally, I'm still the dude that's like, I got to have this fucking figured out. (laughs) I can't just get up and go. Um, So, but I learned balance of that. And um, it's been awesome. I mean, to spend that much time in the car with my wife and with my daughter before she went to school, it was like... it's the greatest thing ever. I mean, the only thing that would have made it better was if, uh, if Levi was with us, really. And I don't, that's not a knock against him in any way, but like, right. what could have made that better? Like that we were all together, seeing and experiencing um, freedom in a different, in a whole different way. Like we each had a bag of all of our stuff. That was it. There's something freeing. And we had a, a tote for kitchen stuff. So, cause, but there's something freeing about, I've got this shirt, I've got, Actually, I got three others, same same shirt, different color. I got yeah. a couple of pairs of pants. Like, what do I really need? It just, I know, I I just found out that like I don't need that much mm-hmm. as far as stuff. Um, one cool thing was like, I like to organize and like clean. Like, I don't like clutter. I don't like holding on. Like, I don't like holding on to things. And my wife and my kids would get upset and laugh at me about this. Was like. Hey, have you seen that note piece of paper? I had notes on there. I'm like, oh, the one that's been there for five days. Yeah, I threw it away because nobody was using it. You're like, <laughs> get rid of it. <laughs> but and what I've noticed, like jumping in an old pattern of like, you know, we're, if we're in a place for like a month, like, you know, I, I get, maybe I get bored. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna organize, and then I realize I'm like, shit, I have a bag of stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I can't pare it down. There's no like cleaning getting rid of <laughs> i've already done that um and the what was clean, cleaning as catharsis was not available to you <laughs> right like oh i so i just found the art of like sitting and watching the sunset like that became my new thing yeah yeah um yeah and ultimately we we came through uh new mexico in november originally um and then we came back april extended for may extended for june and um yeah, just everything about it here felt right. And so we bought some property. We started building a home. Um, and then we did some more traveling back to Chicago, took our daughter to school in Georgia, and then we drove back here in October. So this is, everybody's like, how does it feel to be situated? I'm like, uh, I still don't have a home. <laughs> right. <laughs> it feels good to be in one place, but we're, um, it's a bittersweet. Like there's a part of me that's like, I'm glad that like the constant moving has slowed. And I'm also aware of like a, a sad piece around, wow, that was fun. I don't want that to be over. Yeah, the, the nomadic lifestyle. Well, and if you don't yeah. mind me asking, so how are you supporting yourself during all this time? Well, um, my business is still in operation. 
Okay. As uh, when I partnered with this competitor, so instead of become, I'm in recycling, um, and instead of having an, an actual processing plant, like where the physical structure of the brick and mortar, um, and partnering with this other facility, essentially I'm a broker because I've outsourced the processing and the trucking and that component. So my customer base that I was working with in Chicago is still working with me because they haven't seen a change. The only difference they've seen in their service is instead of truck, this trucking company, it's a different truck that's picking it up. Right. They, none of most of my customers, most, I mean, there's a few that I lost along the way because just geographically wouldn't work, but they're, they haven't seen a change. They're getting service. They're getting paid. I stay in contact with them, you know, during the COVID part, like nobody was coming, seeing visitors anyway. So the idea of me just stopping in, say hello, like wasn't happening. Um, I do zoom calls and a lot of it's, it's not like I got to make like the hero to zero type thing, like in sales, like I made this sale. Now I got to get a new customer in our, in my business. It's like the customers, uh, you know, they, they constantly generate waste. So they get busier, they get slower. So I've got that bulk of business that is still operating. Um, my son has actually started working with me in a really small capacity in Chicago, doing some data uh, entry and invoicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, so he's on site or in, in Chicago if he needed to go see a customer. Right. But a lot of that whole customer, like I, there's no way I could have ever done this from scratch. Like I built up 15, 20 years of relationships and experiences with these customers that now that I'm not there, it doesn't, you know, I built that trust and relationship. Yeah. So I was that, so that component, I was supporting myself and now being here in New Mexico, um, I was asked to be on the, uh, the board directors for the New Mexico Recycling Coalition, which has just started. And some of my contacts and customers through Chicago that have nationwide accounts knew where I was going to. And I just said, Hey, if you know anything, do you have any opportunities out in this area? And they already have. And I've part and I've reached out to um, a family-run recycling shop here in New Mexico that I called up and I reached out to them. I'm like, I'm new to the area. I really wasn't looking to like drum up a lot of business or even any. I just was curious what was happening. And that curiosity led to a friendship to now we just did about, I think we did about a hundred tons of 100, 200 tons of material that we just moved in the past two weeks. Um, in my world, it's like moving by tonnage. So now I've got business started here in New Mexico on the same way that I've done it, like, oh, brokering. And really what it is, is um, knowing the people, connecting dots, and also like, you know, just a, a sense of like what, how sales work for me, you know, like be kind. How can I help other people <laughs> listen to them? I mean, it's <laughs> remember their kids' birthdays, things like, but not like in a, like a fake way, but in a genuine way of like, right. And well, how it touches back, like the difference between my dad and I, when, when he, when I let him go, I fired a lot of customers. Like, I don't care if we're making, that's 20% of our profit. That person's an asshole. Don't want it in my field done. So now, now it's, now it's like, I get, I'm choosing which directions and I get make the choice. Like, is this the, is this a relationship that I want to be in? And interesting enough, since I've made this switch, I really haven't come across too many that I don't want to, you know, <laughs> like, Oh, cause I think there's something about what I'm putting out there. What I'm looking for is, you know, likes attract likes. And yes. if they don't, yes. whatever. 
so that's how I'm supporting myself now and for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, I think it's really powerful to, um, I, I would say, I don't know if you'd say this about yourself, but a competitive advantage that Eric has is relationships. Like you're a master at this part. Hmm. Right. And you know, the customers that are a-holes, right. Well, that's, that's not a competitive advantage for them. <laughs> right? It's like, right. if the numbers line up, then we can make a deal. And if for you, I don't know if you advertise this, but it's like, Hey, if our hearts line up, the numbers will figure out. Yeah. Um, you know, my, even my dad would have had some of that, like, I'm not sure how, how this is going to work. Mm-hmm. We'll figure it out. I mean, that, yeah. and that was, he taught me that, like, you know, I would get stuck like, Oh my God, what do we, I don't know how to get that, you know, how we're going to handle that big deal. And he'd always be like, we'll get the deal first, then we'll figure it out. Like, and that, right. I mean, then that idea, like I will credit him for teaching me that because it was like, okay, well, that's cool. Let me see if I can get it first. Right. Then, I'll, then I can spend the time worrying how to fix it or do it, you know, but too often do I have, I seen people in friends or whatever, just spend time like busy doing like, but nothing's happening, but they're so busy. Mm-hmm. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. Like, what, what, what's really going on here? <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and the other, th- the other part of like being out here and having a lot more time to my, my, my kids are out of the house. Um, and I've touched on this, like, I don't even know, I'm not sure the right word yet, but like a way, something else I'm interested in doing is around, I'll call it supporting. Some might call it coaching, executive training. I'm, like, I'm not one to really get too attached to what a label or a name is other than mm-hmm. just this vision I have of like, huh. Meeting other cool people, yourself included, a lot like having cool conversations. Like, wow, how how do we get to? Yeah, I feel fortunate and honored to have like the experiences that I've got and the lessons I've learned. And like, how do I, how do I allow give something back? Not tell people what to do. Not interested in advice, but how can I listen and just offer support along their path, particularly around family and work, whether those two are intermingled or not. Um, Yeah, because. The, the the downside of like having a strong close family and what's coming up the downside is like since we dropped my daughter off um it's been it's been very different than what i thought it was going to be mm, i was nest I, is empty yeah um we didn't have the same she didn't have that same experience going through of like friends and all this and but the christy and i were talking and we're like we broke up our unit because why like it, it was the most impactful relationships that I've had with, with my wife and my kids, the four of us together. Right. And like, and we split that up because why? I mean, I know, well, cause life, cause you know, my 21 year old doesn't want to be living at home with me. <laughs> he needs to go get his life. Right, you know, right. I thought, like, but at, at the core level of, of like, of like this letting go of like, fuck that went fast and it did not. And like finding the space to honor that, to love it and also to acknowledge like god there's parts i miss and, and yeah. also like not to let that hold me back from moving forward but i think like i had this idea like this month or so like this time since we dropped her off would be like christy and i we get to do whatever we, we don't we're not tied to anything and i didn't recognize the grief in it if, mm. if, if i could even call it like having a grieving period of like hmm. you know i've had other friends who are like the kids are gone like could not wait Right. I'm proud of both of them and I get it. And ultimately it's like, 
I just I want to be I want to be together. It's going to yeah. be different. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just another another piece. Like I didn't know. Like, oh, you're going to drop your kids off, and somebody told me that. Like, oh, and this you're going to have like probably like three month grieving period. I'd be like, over what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Right. Right. Um, which I think in some ways a universe or spirits way of like keeping me in check mm-hmm. like br- instead of going like as my family would say dad's getting fucking crazy again he's got some crazy yeah, ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well and i think yeah. our in our you know western culture especially in the united states that we often have these milestones these life milestones that are isolationist right? Like prove you're a man by separating from the family, right? Whereas when we lived in tribes, as far as I understand, you wouldn't necessarily leave the tribe forever, right? Like it's uh, the way we prove self-sufficiency is just by cutting each other off, which is kind of nutty if you think about it, because we deprive ourselves of the connection as well. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. My daughter and I, um, have participated in a father-daughter weekend through its uh, affiliation through the MKP. We, this is our 10th year and th- this past summer, and she was actually the lead for it. Um, but I saw a friend of mine there who actually was staffed my weekend. And then we sat in that group and I hadn't seen him in well, five years. And mm-hmm. it was funny. And like, I saw him, I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, dude, I haven't seen him. He's like, I've been in India for five years. I'm like, what? <laughs> you went to India? He came back. So we had a lot to catch up on. But the one thing that stuck out, because I was sharing the same part with him about sending them off and feeling the weight of that. And I think his, yeah, his wife uh, is from Thailand. Yes, from Thailand. And he was saying from, from what he saw and like his wife's family and their cult was like, you don't send the kids away. It's just not a part of culture. Like right. everybody else lives together. You stay together. You don't, you don't, they're not like cut, cutting them off. Mm-hmm. You go. So it's there. It is interesting that like that, where does even that come from? I, I that's a whole other. <laughs> right. How did I buy into that? Where was that taught to me? What, what, uh, what system is that a part of? But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I could take a crack at it. I've, I've never <laughs> thought of it, but I think at some point, the idea of getting a college degree became a culturally normative status game, right? It's like, Hey, in order to get the status, you need to go off to college, right? So you got to go off, you know, in order to achieve this rank and status, you must separate. And then everyone has gotten looped into this. You must go to college game, which is a whole nother <laughs> issue and and student debt and bullshit degrees that's a that's a whole nother thing but now we have this norm of separation mm. right under the illusion that it leads to better life outcomes but there's tons of kids who go to school and then become underemployed which is a a, a different thing like it's like hey we have the jobs here it's not like all jobs suddenly require a degree but suddenly all these people are getting degrees and uh yeah, that, that, that's a whole different mess. But um, <laughs> well, but I would, the idea of separation—that's interesting. That's really interesting to me because I just a thought I had it, and I'm not. Yeah, just the, the thought I had was: I wonder, like, how could somebody has somebody ever track as the separation of like work and family gone, 
in connection with depression, suicide, anxiety, like, mm. I mean, forget pandemic stuff. I mean, cause that's added, that just thrown like more piles of shit on top of that. Right. But like, and I don't know if those, those two are like work together, you know, or because then you could also look at like my parents' age, my grandparents' age, they didn't talk about their feelings. So, you know, <laughs> so the more that we talk about things, it was like, was this always been going on? Have people always felt isolated, alone, separate from? Um, but I'm more interested, like, oh, there is something about like achieving and going off, achieving and going to get this for the status and pulls away from family, pulls away from like the nest, so to speak. And yeah, I don't know. I just got a hit of like, I, I just want to be a stand for like how to find a, a balance of that. How do you, how do you merge some of that? Like not to say, you know, everybody come back to your families and everybody live with your families again, you know, but where, right. I, where's the middle ground? Where's the balance in it? Um, just curious. Hmm. Yeah. You and me Maybe both. my kids, I have faith that my kids and that gener and their generation. And then we'll like, we'll take that. Like it's all a stepping stone. Like my grandfather showed certain ways to my dad. Hmm. not different you know I, I don't relate to that you know my dad so my dad did things differently I mean this goes back right my dad maybe made a choice like I'm gonna do this way you know now with my kids like I knew what I knew the good things I knew things I wanted to and I was more clear like I'm gonna do this differently for my kids and to, the idea of like it's stopping there like oh I've done it now it's all healed and good you know it's like oh I'm just like sitting back and going, no, I just gave you a step or two closer to where it's going. You, you kids take that and keep peeling the layers back. Maybe I'll be alive to see what happens. Maybe I won't, but like, how does that ripple move forward? I, I don't know. I just, yeah, that's my, that's my rant that I, I like, I got goosebumps and that's exciting. Like something that's beyond bigger than me, beyond me. Um, which is a different way of being for me too. Cause so much of it was like, it was, I wanted it to be about me and look yeah. at me, look at me. <laughs> right. Right. To, yeah. You know, no, don't look at me. It's not, this is not my show. This is not about me. <laughs> <laughs> as I, that's fucked up as I'm on a podcast, like you interviewing me. No, it's not, this is about me. <laughs> well, it has been a pleasure. Yeah. Um, and as we kind of wrap things up, if you had a billboard somewhere, right, and there was one thing you could say to people, you know, what what would you tell them? Wow, you could have you, know, you could have told me that before you're going to ask me this. So I could have had like some <laughs> well thought out, prepared thing. Um, I would tell, be open. Be open. Mm -hmm. Well said. Yeah, be open. Be open to what your own experiences. Be open to what other people's experiences are. Just be open to something that you that that's beyond your thought. The, mm -hmm. of the, or what you, be open to what's beyond what you, what you know. Okay. And any places you want to point folks, whether it be uh, your website or a particular website, if say, hey, go here. You have <laughs> you have my microphone and my audience. They're captive. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's a great question. Well, my company is Huron Paperstock, H-U-R-O-N, paper, huronpaper.com. That's the link to my recycling business. Um, that's the phone number to get a hold of me. That's probably the best way. I'm on social media. Uh, but I'm 
Yeah. Yeah. Reach out to me. I have no idea like where that would be, but I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. what I'm open to is having cool conversations. Cool. That's a judgment. Having uh, uh, heartfelt conversations with people out there. Kind of like you and I got started, like just yeah. like this. So reach out to me. Uh -huh. well, Alrighty. Oh, well, Thank you so much. It's been a Thanks, pleasure. Man. Yep. I hope you all enjoyed that. One quick thing in closing. Stegdrew.com slash juicy. Stegdrew, just like the show, dot com slash juicy. You can sign up for my weekly musings there on all things like we spoke about in this episode and other assorted weirdness. Just drop in your email, stegdrew.com slash juicy. Thank you.